listening to the podcast, you're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Laura Davis, who's a friend of mine and a friend of the podcast. We had uh, tea in her place in Melbourne, and it was a really fun conversation. I can't believe it's this close to the end of the year. I, it's been a year, it's been a real year. I'm going to write up a thing for my Patreon supporters detailing what I've been up to in the last year and, and so on and so forth. So if you support me on Patreon, uh, you'll be getting that in the next week. Uh, thank you everyone who's been emailing me, alicerfraser at gmail.com. That's always really wonderful to hear and as is as it is wonderful to see when I get a tweet or a comment or any of that stuff is really nice. It feels sometimes like I'm putting these out in the void and then sometimes I'm, I'm not. Like, uh, as I said, when I had that numbers spike after Will's podcast and my hosting cost went up, it was a real delight to be that stressed out. Um, genuinely, I'm not even being sarcastic. Thank you for listening. And there will be another podcast out next week. I'm not going to be taking a, a Christmas break. So don't worry. More tea with Alice all the time. Uh, well, I'll let you listen to this podcast Hit me up on at alliterative on Twitter or alicerfraser at gmail.com. Just come to one of my gigs if you like. I had this thing uh, the other week and I thought it didn't happen. I'd heard this happened from other podcasters before, uh, but it had never happened to me where a guy came up to me at a gig uh, and just put 20 bucks into my hand and I said, what's this for? And he said, I like listening to your podcast, but I don't want to put my details on the internet. Uh, so he just gave me $20, which was lovely. Uh, I don't, I probably spent it on bubble teas, so in the spirit of, in the spirit of the thing, that was just delightful, really wonderful. I don't know if it's legal or not. Do I have to declare that in tax? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll stop blithering and let you listen to the rest of the podcast. Uh, I really always enjoy talking to Laura. Next week, uh, we have the wonderful Tessa Waters, who I had a super fantastic conversation with and I've got it in the tank and I can't wait for you to listen to it but for this week Laura Davis look her up she's hilarious you're having tea with Alice I do drag a lot of furniture around it's keeping me very fit uh, my job my day job is um in event setups and uh yeah I as much as I would like to never do it Again, I'll probably need a gym membership when I finish because I've gotten used to eating the amount of food that a person who spends eight hours moving furniture a day can. Yeah, there's a sort of a magical thing. I found that after uh, after I stopped hauling mum around, I had to go go and join. Yeah. It's like I've got mad guns from just lifting uh, all the time. But so you do that because comedy is patchy. Comedy is patchy. Maybe, um, you know, maybe money-wise, annually, I would make enough to support myself quite fine, but that money can't be relied on and it doesn't come in in steady streams and there's still a lot of gamble with it. You know, if I... I can assume that I'll make a certain amount of money at a festival, but there's also a chance that I will lose money, so... Mm, maybe it's still just out of fear a little bit, but I do just go there three days a week or so just to make sure that I'm getting, you know, what, three, four hundred dollars a week in regularly. That pays for my 
you know, my house and my food. And your wild lifestyle. Yeah, my I don't have a lot of vices, or at least not expensive ones, so helps keeps costs down. What would you say your top three vices are? Cake, <laughs> naps, uh, and maybe maybe avoidance through whatever whatever means that is. It's when I'm supposed to be doing something, I'll piss off and go to the park <laughs> or to the op shop or, you know, meet, meet somebody for a coffee instead. Yeah, well, for me, wandering around listening to podcasts or audiobooks and just mm. looking at things with my eyes. Yeah, good vice. Cheap vice. It's a cheap vice. Not many people die of that vice either. Surprisingly few, <laughs> although I cross roads very irresponsibly. Yeah, it's mostly pedestrian incidents. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, it's one of those things where I think it's mainly because I pay attention to the people I'm talking to mm-hmm. that I'll walk out onto a road a lot when I'm with somebody. But oh, okay. I have not yet been run over on my own, so I have to assume that I don't do it when other people aren't, when I'm alone. Okay. Because I haven't been killed yet, but the number of times I've been nearly killed with someone makes me think it's something about being with somebody that makes distracted. me... Well, I just am looking at them or all my kind of attention is on them and I'll happily walk out into the road. I had a bit that I did in last year's show. I haven't done it for ages about being hit by a car on Brunswick Street. I love that bit. <clears throat> I just jumped over the bonnet of the car as it came close enough to hit me because she was, she was trying to stop, but... It's kind of leapfrogged a little bit. And people said playing that game Frogger as a kid was not <laughs> not educational. No, it wasn't. My nightmare happened, actually, on, um, on the other day. I was carrying a baby across Nicholson Street, and we crossed the first... Wait, wait, to begin, it was a baby you had a right to be carrying? Yes, first. I had the, a right to be carrying this baby. Um, I was with uh, her father as well, and we crossed the first lane of traffic into the double tram lines and then waited for the next lane of traffic to be clear so we could cross to the park and in that moment there was heaps of traffic and then both trams came at once so one (gasps) tram had to stop and like she didn't ding us the lady tram driver was very nice she didn't ding us but she did have to stop her tram until the traffic cleared so we could cross. So she didn't <clears throat> run over a small family. <laughs> yeah, I think if maybe if we didn't have the baby, we would have been dead. But she, you know, a, a mother's instinct, lady's, lady's instinct, she couldn't run over a baby. <laughs> I don't know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very cute thing, a baby. It's yeah. The only survival mechanism it has is just <laughs> being too adorable to put in the bin. But every time I cross that street, I wonder what would happen if that happened and then it happened and it's not good it's not good well i mean it's not the worst at least you're yeah. paced now yeah you just don't expect two trams to be coming at immediately the same time so that you can't because one tram's come before you just step into the where the other tram goes but yeah. yeah two gonna squish you yeah because they've got to cross at some point yes but the, the, they can cross at any point yes and, but and why, right. why it would be right where you were yeah, exactly. is, is sort of statistically unlikely i did not enjoy that well, I don't, I don't understand statistics. I'm sure it's more likely in some places than others because of Perhaps. maths. Uh, <laughs> because of maths. Because of maths. So, yeah, you've, you find that working in this furniture place is a way to just keep a stable... Yes. Yes. 
Not a stable mind, but a stable financial situation. It's a trade-off. Yeah, and it kind of... <clears throat> I guess it pays for some luxury items. Where if I wanted to just be very poor, I would stop working there and I'd be okay. But if I want to buy, you know, meals out and good clothes or, you know, other things... It helps to have a little bit. Yeah, having a bit of, of a security buffer lets you also put in in take chances on stuff. Yeah, do a festival that you haven't done before, and you're not sure how it'll go, or do a loss leader in some sort of you know, travel somewhere to do a gig that isn't going to make a profit, but is worth doing because they might get you back. Or and I like <clears throat> um, being quite a poor person. It's interesting just how small your buffer to feel safe is compared to like all my savings could be somebody's you know fortnightly wage and they would be like oh whoa whoa what are you doing with people would panic if they saw my bank account you know but I go oh well I've got two thousand dollars that's great I can live off that for months Grab a water, I'll pause the thing. The black lung. <laughs> the betrayal of the body. Yeah. It's rough when you your job relies on you being able to talk. Yes. <clears throat> and my other job requires me to be able to walk and I can't do that either. Even just little betrayals. I did a gig in the Athenaeum last week and... I went in kind of knowing what I wanted to talk about and then realised it was a bigger gig than I thought that it was. So I started fiddling with what I had and then realised that it was um, White Ribbon Day. Uh-huh. And I've got quite a lot of new stuff, very new stuff, about uh, domestic violence and um, violence against women. <clears throat> and that stuff can be kind of hit and miss. But it also felt like a really good vehicle to try it out with a big crowd. Yeah. Because, you know, you have 800 people, whatever it is. What was this gig? It was uh, for Action Aid. Oh, I did that in Sydney a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's a great great gig. That was so lovely. So I was getting really nervous because I was like, I could do old stuff that's safe that I know or I could try this stuff that actually fits this gig but it's new I don't know it quite well <clears throat> and so I ended up I chose my new stuff it went very well had a great time but the whole time I was on stage my left leg was just shaking badly <laughs> enough that I couldn't balance ah like because I just went out and then started with one bit and then went okay I'm going to start saying this. Yeah. And then, yeah, just vibrating violently on stage, trying to mask it, trying to find a spot on my foot where my knees wouldn't knock yeah. together. Sort of half nerves, half muscle yeah. issues. Yeah. Because yeah. it starts with like a little quaver and then it will go to a full, full body, very, very yeah. visible um, leg shaking. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a betrayal because I've gotten up on so many stages and, you know, I I used to shake on stage and after stage, uh, after being on stage, um, 
and I've quashed that <laughs> through repetition and then every now and then it'll just pop out at you. Yeah. You're like, hey, come on. Man, I I I don't know about that. I I don't I shake when I'm playing something for the first time. Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating because yes. it makes you look completely incompetent. Yeah. Like there's something about somebody who's shaking on stage that makes you just not trust them. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Uh, and so and it's not something you can hide like you can sort of if you've got a microphone in your hand you tuck your elbow in and yeah. uh, you know if you have to hold the mic with two hands or hold put the mic in the stand and hold the stand to sh- hide shaking hands but if you're trying to play something you can't yeah so the reason I can't wear heels on stage is because um, my legs shake oh I can't wear heels on stage either it's just there's a pressure point and then if I do get nervous then it's too hard to to hide yeah because you're slightly unbalanced anyway whereas if my legs shake in flat shoes you just kind of anchor your heel and try and brace against it but yeah heels I'll go straight down tell you John Hastings is quite good he'll just squat on stage (laughs) or he'll just like he'll just sit down on something or like he sort of he plays with the space on the stage so much that you wouldn't even be able to tell And I'm not sure if it's like a counterbalance to nervousness that makes him look super non-nervous or if he is actually just that relaxed with his face. But I, I feel like that's something I want to do more of. Yeah, my favourite part of my show was when I got to lay down on the floor in the middle of the room and just take a few deep breaths and turn off all the lights. So that's Ghost Machine, yeah? Yes. <sighs> no, I like, I like being poor. I think it's... You shouldn't idealize it in that way of that I don't think it's noble to be poor I don't think that uh, you shouldn't aspire to be wealthy and successful but I do really enjoy occasionally just knowing that it doesn't take a lot to make me quite happy yeah a $20 dinner out and I'm like wow this is amazing yeah I don't have a huge taste for luxury um like the things that I think of as luxurious are not that no. luxurious. <clears throat> like, like a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah, that's real luxury for me. Yeah. Uh, or the idea of yeah, just being able to go out and have a dinner. But I, I would never go out. I would never feel like you know those sort of three hundred dollar dinners that you can get. Oh, or even yeah. a hundred dollar dinner, or even a sixty dollar dinner, just seems. I don't understand how that can be much better than a thirty dollar dinner. Yes, I'll eat. I'll eat an $80 dinner, but it's because that's what I want to have for dinner, and it's usually a special occasion with somebody who's like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Japanese tapas, that's amazing. Let's do that. And that usually comes to about $80, but... Yes. Yeah, I can see that as a luxury. I just don't... I, it's just not something that I think of doing. And like, I'm the same about television, and even though it's not a luxury or have anything no. to do with money. I just don't think to do it. It's well, not, what about... Bigger televisions. I don't have a television, but when I have been in a house that has a television, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll ha- go about my day and I'll go to bed at night and never once will I have thought, oh, I'd like to watch the television. Yes, no. And so I feel like that with money, that like, it's very rarely that I'll reach for it and it's not there. Mm. The The things that I want are small enough that, I'm rarely hitting the limit of yes. my desire and feeling like, oh, I can't have what I want. Mm. 
which is the that's the whole that's the bad thing about poverty right is that you can't have the things that normal people have well, the, well first the necessities and then the luxuries mm. but if you have a low idea of what a luxury is then you're, yes. <clears throat> then you're kind of wealthy in your own sandbox <laughs> what would you do with huge wealth Ooh, ooh. Um, yeah, I don't have much mid-range ambition. Okay. So I, I kind of would like, you know, for me, eating and being able to travel, you know, eat somewhere safe to sleep, nutritious food, and being able to go where I want to go mm-hmm. are your kind of basic things. And then above that, it's like, uh, nothing, 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 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just that you could go anywhere whenever you wanted at any time or, you know, have everyone who you like work for you in some capacity so you could have them all close. That kind of <laughs> Yeah, I like that. My Mine is always, I think, one thing that I don't like about being poor is um, the insecurity that comes with, say, just renting a room in a house mm. like I like the idea of buying a house and not ever having to leave it um yeah having having I yeah I don't have that thing I don't mind moving I don't mind oh, I hate it I don't mind change in that way no I hate it I used to cry as a kid when they made us swap desks at school oh wow yeah, it's hardwired don't like you like you've got your place and you've got oh, your identity. Oh, if I sit on a park bench too much, I have a lot of problems. Leaving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have special park benches that are your park benches? Yeah. That like I get the your side of the bed sort of thing. Oh uh, yeah, I'm real militant about that as well. <laughs> Which side of the bed is your side of the bed? Door side or away well, door, away side? If I'm alone, I sleep in the middle. Yeah. Because why not? Because it's yeah, your it's bed. A- and it's a good, um, it's a good place to sleep. And then if somebody else in there, then I like to sleep. My bed's against a wall, so I sleep against the wall. Um, and they sleep near the door. And yeah, so, so you can kick them out easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I think I feel maybe because I'm I'm smallish, or at least smaller than the people I'm usually laying next to. I feel like I can't be pushed out of bed. Like I could be, cr- I'd rather be crushed against the wall than <laughs> than pushed out of bed. Yes, it's a comfortable death. <laughs> yes, uh, and maybe also similar to I like a window seat on the plane. If they need to use the bathroom or anything like that, they don't have to crawl over me to get out of bed. Yeah, that's true. I like a window seat on a plane. I had a, a guy on a plane the other day tell me off for typing on my computer. Uh, while the plane was just taxiing on the runway, there was taxiing and taxiing and taxiing, and I had a thing due, so I just pulled out my computer and started typing on it, and he passive aggressed me. Well, he didn't even. He just aggressed me. He said, "You know, you're not allowed to do that." And I said, "Oh, look, I'm sorry. It's not on the internet or anything." And he's like, "You're just not. You're not allowed to do that until we're, you know." And I just put the computer away. But then, then I had an hour and a half from Melbourne to Sydney to think of the perfect comeback. <laughs> uh, I just was si- just seething you, and seething. What did you seething. come up with? Well, I mean, in my head it went, you know, the only reason they tell you not to use phones and things on the, in that period of time, it's not, it doesn't interfere with the electronics unless you're trying to refuel mm-hmm. 
Wi-Fi signal has nothing to do with the with the way that a plane mm-hmm. works. Um, it's got to do with it's more likely that you'll have an accident in the time just before takeoff yes. or during takeoff or during landing. Those are the only real times that airplanes yes. have accidents, and they don't they don't want you to be distracted. Yes. And I. In the window seat, I'm not going to stop anyone else from getting out if there's an accident. No. And also, I back myself to not, like, find angry birds more attractive than a fire. Like, yeah. I thought that it was because if there is any turbulence, it might... Smack you. Smack you in the face. Yeah, that's a, that's a sort of a secondary reason. Mm. Um, but, again, we were taxiing. And they would like had to move to some other runway. It was you know one of those ones where you're just rolling around the the no, car park that. of the airport for. I hate that. I get it just full on motion sickness. There's no form of transport I can take other than walking that will leave me unnauseous. And planes are particularly bad, particularly the taxi part. And when they just go round and yeah, round yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. A flight that I've kind of emotionally budgeted for to feel nauseous for, say, to Sydney, an hour, yeah. an hour and a half, suddenly becomes two hours with all this extra. Yeah. And when when I land and I'm sick and they start doing it before we're even allowed to get off the plane. Yeah. Oh, ang- I'm an angry woman. It's not I would good. like a man to say something to me when I'm in that mood. I uh, yeah. I well, I just seethed for an hour and a half, <laughs> and then uh, when we went off. Uh, I said, bye, Dad. And he said, I'm not your dad. And I went, no, you're not. Yeah, you got him. I got him. <laughs> I'm always very overly polite to the air staff and stewards on my way into the plane. Yeah. Because I know I'm going to be a jerk on my way out. Uh, <laughs> so. See, I'm always very nice to, to stewards and air staff uh, just because I feel like they have control over your comfort in oh, some they way. They definitely do. But I know that once I'm sick, and I have been sick for a couple of hours, I'm not a very friendly person. So I try and make a good impression on the way in. <laughs> um, and when it's a longer flight, like Perth for four hours, <clears throat> my mum knows her job is to, yeah, make my bed and pick me up catatonic <laughs> as um, I get off the plane. See, I cannot, I don't like people picking me up from the airport. You don't like it? I don't like I it. I love it because I'm always so sick that the thought of getting in a cab or a bus and enjoying some more, more sickness. Yeah, really that's interesting. Me. I no, for me it's uh, I feel so great. I mean, I'm thinking mainly long haul flights, mm. getting off in England or, you know, my I picked you up from a long haul. Yeah, and I just feel you know I'm just. You've seen me after a long haul flight. I'm. She's sc- fine. You're fine. <laughs> My hair's frizzy and I'm just feeling ugh and blah. It's, I mean, Perth is different because there's no real way to get out from the airport at nope. all. Um, I went from England to Perth this year, the end of this year. Um, but, yeah, anywhere else, like when I got to England, I arrived at, what, 5 o'clock in the morning and my brother said, oh, let me know if you want me to come pick you up from the airport. And he doesn't have a car, he just meant kind of meet you at the airport. And I'd so much rather be a zombie for another hour and a half than have a shower and then be around people. Yes. Um, than kind of have to be perky and, how was your flight? <laughs> I don't know. It was like being in a low-grade hell for 16 hours. How was your flight? Then they're very unpleasant. 
but they are magical. The only tolerable, like the only way that, the thing about them is that it's so good, right? Like you, you're you're traveling in hours, what it would have taken months to. Yes, I do try and respect that, but. <clears throat> oh. It says every magic must have its cost. You yeah. Know? This is the deal with the devil that you make. It would be it would be somehow unnatural if it weren't awful. Yes. Because it is such a magical yeah, thing. Yeah, that is true. If it was a magical thing that happened that was just fine, hmm. like were actually pleasant, if it was pleasant to take an air, uh, a flight, there'd be something wrong with the balance of the universe. You, ha- you have to pay a price for this kind of th- shaking your fist in the face of God's laws. <laughs> And it is dry bread rolls. That is the toll. That's the price you have to pay. But you're thinking of going to Edinburgh next year, so you'll yeah. have to do the... I don't know what I'm going to do. Go I over by boat? Three. I think drugs. I think drugs, yeah. <clears throat> Many of them. Yeah, that's a, that's a tried and true method. Yeah, drugs and probably some crying. Drugs and crying. Yeah, there's the crying... There's, there's a phase where your whole life feels like a jumper that's too hot that you need to take off. Mm. Um as about 16 hours in yeah and then after that it's fine how many hours is it to the UK, the UK about 23 too many hours I'm hours, staying here uh, depending on the flight you can get ones that take a sweet 32 hours if you want nope um, or you can stop off on the way nope there's a, I think there's a 16 hour leg and, a, and an 11 I hour I want to leg. be sedated and put in one of the cargo holds please well, there's some people that do that, but then with if the you're travelling on your own, do you want to be drugged up is the other with question. The, I don't care. Cause, <laughs> well, it, it's nothing because after about four hours of nausea, you are drugged. That's like, true. You're not really... You're not firing on all cylinders? <clears throat> no. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be fun. Yay. You can fly with me. I'll be your, your guide dog. Yeah, we'll record a 32-hour podcast. <laughs> that actually, I mean, not actually 32 hours, but doing a long-haul flight podcast would be fascinating. <laughs> Too much background noise. Yeah, probably. The buzzing noise would but, but it would fade out in the background, I'm sure. Mm. People get used to it. You go, you go ear blind to it after a while. Mm. It just feels like the bones of your head are shaking. Um uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at uh, Laura Davis Comic on Twitter. I've got some really cool emoji cartoons that have been spoken. Um, they're great. They're pretty fun. I've been enjoying making them. And yeah, I've got a Facebook page and all that nonsense as well. Okay, look Laura up. Uh, email me on alicerfraser at gmail.com. Thank you everyone who supports me on the Patreon. That is an excellent thing to do. You're probably um, probably getting some points in some ephemeral bank somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll see you next week. You're having tea with Alice.